I am Pastor Jamie. I get to speak today because Jeff is hunting, so that's a, a Wisconsin cultural thing. We're so blessed that Tracy decided not to go hunting this year, you know, because she's usually out there with Jeff. I know he has a great time. I know that Jeff gets excited because last couple times I met with him, he starts talking about what he does to prepare for it. And, you know, when you get excited about something, it's really cool. So I'm really happy for him that he gets, he gets to be there with his family and friends. So, but like Tracy said, be praying for him. Pray for safety, safe journey back, all those good things. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I don't know about you, but every year it seems like it's just a little too short for me here. Yeah, please, thank you so much. It always seems that uh, the Christmas stuff comes out so early, and it's like not even Halloween. My kids like, it's not even Halloween. What's what's this all about? Like, it's retail. This is is what happens, you know. But you know, I I actually did a sermon one time, just Thanksgiving at the shaft, because it kind of seems like it does. But it is actually Thanksgiving is actually one of my favorite holidays. Because it is something that's unique and special to this country. It's something special and unique to the founding of our country, that our religious history. The first Thanksgiving uh, that goes back to the 1620s. And there's been celebrations of Thanksgiving throughout our history. Not exactly like it is today. Um, there was no football back then. But um, <laughs> there's other things as well. But it's just really cool to see something like that where you see God's hand and as, as Americans, we come together and we thank God for the blessings He's given us. And uh, it became a national holiday like in 1863 by President Abraham Lincoln. It became a state holiday in many different states, including uh, New York being one of the first. But it's interesting, I, I, in the midst of the Civil War, when our country was separated and fighting against each other, that's the time President Abraham Lincoln said, we need to thank God. It seemed like the worst times, wouldn't it, logically? But he had enough wisdom to know we need to be thankful because God is good and his love endures forever. There's some times in our lives are really, really tough and it seems like this doesn't seem like the best time to be thanking God. And you're not thanking God because you're going through a hard time. You're thanking God because he's going to get you through that. A little lighthearted uh, uh, Thanksgiving when Abraham Lincoln made a holiday, it was the last Thursday of November, and FDR wanting to boost our economy because that meant increasing the Christmas season, he actually moved it to the third Thursday. But people didn't really know what to do. So some celebrated on the third Thursday, other people celebrate like Abraham had declared it. And so some people were doing one and some did the other, and some would have done like I would have done, celebrated both because two Thanksgivings. Eventually, after two years, they, I think he said, okay, let's get closer to what Lincoln wanted. We'll move it to the fourth of Thursday, and there we are today. So, well, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I just pray that this would be a great time for you and your family and friends. And uh, don't worry, those Black Friday sales are going to come. And uh, ignore those commercials for a while. and Just celebrate being together and being thankful for what God's given us. Well, we are talking about the long game. It's a series we're doing, and... The, the term long game comes out, but in my head, I think long haul. Now, we and my, my wife and I got, were blessed. We were able to go on a trip to Disneyland uh, about a year and a half ago. And we got to do it by airplane with our kids. And my kids kind of missed out because they missed the adventures I took as a kid. Because on the plane, you wait a little while, you go through there, you find your nice cushy seats. And there's a TV in front of you now. And they come and give you drinks because, you know, like, well, like 
pop, that kind of thing, and chips and crackers, that kind of stuff. And it's all included and you can get as much as you want. So of course I went for seconds because it's included. I got my money's worth and watching TV, watching Star Wars and La La Land because I can, because right in front of me there, I got to see the end of La La Land, so I know how it ended, so I wasn't so disappointed. So if you haven't seen it, I won't tell people, okay. So, but <laughs> the music's really catchy, by the way, okay. So anyways, a um, lot of fun, but you kind of miss out on the long haul you do as, as family vacations go. Because when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s, we had, we had the station wagon. Yes, it was cream colored or gold, depending on which type. My dad chose good, so he made sure he had a V8 engine, so it had a lot of power. But there's three boys in my family, and uh, me and my brother were like a year apart, younger, and then my older brother, who was, by that time was like a teenager. So my parents were wise and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. No seatbelt laws. So um, two will be in the middle seat, and the very person, the young, one the younger will be in the very back with the luggage. So my, bro- <laughs> my brother and I alternated, and uh, so it worked out pretty good, except for when we were driving down this long haul all the way down to California, I got to be in the back when the, the California sun is beating in, and I got myself completely sick because they, even if the air conditioning is on, you don't feel it in the back. And the air conditioning, the person who's always cold in my family was my mom. And guess who's right next to the air conditioning? My mom. And I got it full bore. It doesn't matter. We're not feeling it back here, you know, so. But those are the things you miss out, you know. You know, two hours, two and a half hours, you take a flight. Hour after landing, I had an in and burger in my hand, so. Thank God for modern conveniences. But when we're talking about God and talking about the long game, it's not like that, is it? Let me do a little quick recap. David has in his heart to build the temple. He wants to build to, to worship God. He wants to be thankful to God because God is great. He doesn't want to do it because this makes our country look really cool compared to the other countries. He's doing it because he knows how great God is. But God says, no, David, you cannot build a temple. There's too much blood on your hands. You have been a man of war, and we need to have a man of peace. It will be your son, Solomon, who builds the temple. Now, David, he could have said, fine, let him build it. He can do it himself then. That's the case. You don't want me doing it? Fine. But he doesn't do that. He says, if I can't build a temple, at least I can help it along. And like Pastor Jeff was talking about, 20 years he gathered supplies, gold, silver. They got cedar from Lebanon. They did all these things to build the temple. They had plans. They hired craftsmen, the best, to build this. And before it's built, David steps down. And so often when you hear about kingdoms, usually when one from one ruler to the next ruler, usually it's because the king has died or was assassinated, but not here. When David is old age, he steps down. And the Bible talks about how the throne was taken up by Solomon, which once was David's. David made sure that his son was prepared and had a smooth transition. And when he allowed that, he allowed, David, he allowed Solomon to work on the temple. Humility is a wonderful thing. It is such a great example of David there. He didn't care who built the temple. He just wanted the temple to be built. In life, there are things where sometimes our pride gets involved. and go, well, I should be doing it. I'm the most talented. But God may have someone else in mind. Are you willing to let that person rise up and you step back so they can take that spot? Uh, one of my heroes is Louis Zimperini. Uh, have you guys ever read the book called Unbroken or saw the movie Unbroken? 
Um, if you haven't, I'm not a reader, I'm a watcher, so um, watch the movie. But you can get the book, it's really, really good. My daughter's actually read it, it's actually one of the readings they can do at their school. Amazing Life. With Louis Zimper, he was young, he was a troublemaker, got himself in lots of trouble. I get the impression his brother was actually kind of the golden child. And his older brother loved track, he got really involved in track, and had a lot of fun doing it. Well, his brother Pete, so I need to help Louie out. Louie just keeps getting himself in trouble. So he got Louie involved in track. And apparently Louie didn't like it very much, but eventually kind of forced him. And then eventually Louie had a passion for it. He actually loved track. And Louie became a better runner than his big brother Pete. Once again, Pete said, fine, you're on your own. This was not the goal. The goal was to keep you out of trouble, not to become better than me. But he did. He let him be better than him. He let him grow and become a better runner. So much to the point that he supported him that he became his coach. Louis Zimpery became such a good runner, he got to be part of the 1936 Olympics that was held in Germany. That's the same one where Jesse Owens, the African-American, blew everybody away uh, in front of Hitler, which is awesome. You know, because <laughs> so as they, well, that's one of those times he went on to do a lot of great things. Louis Zimpery learned endurance through track, and it was one of his greatest fans was his brother who let him, not just let him, but realized his potential, and so he supported him and encouraged him on it. That's humility on Peter's and Pete's part. John the Baptist came before Jesus, and he helped prepare the way. He helped telling people, hey, you need to repent. God is calling you to change. He started stirring people's hearts. And John had a group of disciples. And then here comes Jesus, who has his disciples. And at one point, John is baptizing. Jesus is baptizing. And people are coming. And John's disciples say, hey, uh, some people are starting to follow Jesus rather than you. And being loyal disciples of John, they're like, hey, John, what do you think about this? And John says, he says, um, in the NIV, he says, he must, become, he must become greater, I must become less. The new, new King James Version says, he must increase, but I must decrease. John, though had done awesome things, realized Jesus was coming. Jesus, he was there to help prepare the way. He understood he needed to step back. And that heart of humility allowed disciples to come follow Jesus because his time was ending. So David and Solomon... David does the preparations, gets the stuff, gets the plans. Solomon builds the temple. And uh, you've ever seen Jurassic Park. There's a guy named the character John Hammond, the first one. He builds this awesome park until the dinosaurs go crazy and eat, eat people. But he used the term, spare no expense. Everything was great. Even at the end with the girls eating the ice cream, and she says, well, this ice cream is really good. He says, yeah, I spare no expense. That was, that was David's heart for the temple. Spare no expense. This was going to be grandiose. This was going to be great. And once again, it was not to show off to the world. It was to show God how great he is. And then in, in 2 Chronicles 6, Solomon gives a sincere prayer and says, God, please bless us. This temple we dedicate to you. And then if you go to um, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we are going to read together. Actually, I'm going to read. You just follow along. It would be awkward if we read together. Especially you have different translations, so. All right. Second Chronicles 7, 
the dedication of the temple. When Solomon finished praying, he, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. This is crazy. It's, it's the, just, you read it like, oh, just like reading the newspaper. No, fire came down from heaven after he was on praying. It was God's sign saying, yes, I am going to bless this, and yes, I am here. All those years of preparation and talking about it and planning on it, God showed up. When we, walk, when we do the long game with Jesus, we will see God show up in ways we don't expect. I don't think anybody expected that. If I was there, I wouldn't have expected that, but I would have been blown away by it. Verse 2, The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped, gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Verse 4, Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And the king Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people dedicated to the temple of God, dedicated the temple of God. The priests took their positions as of the Levites with the Lord's musical instruments. Now here this says Lord's musical instruments. I always wonder, what exactly is that musical instrument? It, it doesn't tell you. It just says musical instruments, but I'm sure it's really good. Which David had made for praising the Lord, which were used when he gave thanks. So once again, more preparation that David had done for this dedication. Saying, His love endures forever. Opposite the Levites, the priests blew their trumpets, and all the Israelites were standing. Verse 7, Solomon consecrated the middle part of the courtyard in front of the temple of the Lord. And there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the fellowship offerings, because the bronze altar he had made could not hold the burnt offerings and the grain offerings and the fat portions. Basically, there was a lot to be offered there. You know, when we talk about these offerings, sometimes we, they sound gruesome. But think about this. It's twofold. One, it was a great cost for them because for that era, what would you have given? You wouldn't have given money necessarily. You might have given some kind of supplies, but you would have, you would have had to sacrifice something that's your livelihood. And that, that, was, the, that was these animals. Also, it was great there be later on there would be a sacrifice of Jesus who died on the cross. That would have been huge. It was representative of what was to come. That's why there was all these sacrifices throughout the years was you have sinned. This is to cover your sin, but it doesn't, it doesn't complete it. Only when Jesus died on the cross that you truly are forgiven your sins. So it was something that showed people this is what is to come. Verse 8, So Solomon observed the festival at that time for seven days, and all of Israel with him, a vast assembly of people of Lebo, Habath, to the Wadi of Egypt. On the eighth day they held an assembly, for they had celebrated the dedication of the altar for seven days, and the festival for seven more days. The second festival of Tomba was the Feast of Tabernacles. So basically it's, 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 it's two celebrations in one. They had planned this quite well back to back, 14 days. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad in heart for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and for his people Israel.
when it talks about uh, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, it's, it's interesting that was celebrated right around that time. Because the Feast of Tabernacles, it was twofold. It was to remind the Israelites where they had come from, that they had lived in tents. And sometimes, in some traditions, they would actually build these makeshift homes and stay there for a, a time to remind them where they had come from, that God was faithful, that His love endures forever. They could see that because where they had been and where God was taking them. When my daughters were younger, I read this book to them. It was called, I used to call it Five Little Girls, but it was actually called All of a Kind Family. And it was just kind of fun reading. It was actually a Jewish family. I just make sure my wife was paying attention there, so no, no falling asleep there, you know. Front row and center there. On the side. Anyways, they're a Jewish family, and they actually talk about celebrating this holiday and how the, the dad would actually gather these different supplies and actually make a makeshift home in their backyard because they're going to celebrate this, this, the Feast of Tabernacles. But also, it was also to time to celebrate the harvest. It was their last holiday of the year. It marked the, the end of the harvest season, not unlike our Thanksgiving. So, too, to remind them where they had been, but also be thankful that God was, had provided for them for that year. And here we are celebrating Thanksgiving. Interesting time, right, guys? And on the 15th day, I like this, Solomon sends the people home. All right, guys, it's been 14 days. It's been fun, but you guys need to work and need to make some money. I'm going to tax you later on. So, The people are joyful and glad in heart for the good things God had done for David, Solomon, and his people Israel. There's a long game there. The people got to see the faithfulness. The workers got to see what God was doing there. And finally, the temple is built, and God moves. God shows up. To some of that time, it was the greatest thing that, they, that the country had experienced from the time they had escaped from Egypt. Later on, when the Jewish people were wandering, not wandering in the sense of like it was in the desert, but basically they're in their homeland, but they're being ruled by other countries. They said, boy, we want a ruler. We want someone who's like David. Because that's the golden era for the Israelites. They didn't realize that rule that was coming was Jesus. And he had greater plans than everyone expected. So the long game, what is it? For some of us, it's ministry. We're serving. We want people to be blessed. We want God to use us. But it's not instantaneous. Some of it's, it's a career. I'm doing this, but I need this kind of training I need someone to show me how to do this so that I can get to this spot here. Sometimes the long game is playing a sport. I want to get better. I'm here. How do I get better? Um, one long game for practical, practicality is uh, retirement. Some people are like, okay, I can't retire right now because I know how little is in my account, but I need to start saving up so I can have a, ret a retirement so that I can actually retire and be free from work. And sometimes that feels like, for some of us, a really, really long game. <laughs> so, sometimes the long game is raising kids. I, uh, my daughter said I can even share this in my sermon, so I'm going to do that. She uh, was talking about some troubles at school and with boys. And uh, just, uh, you know, those, those troublesome things. And she's 12. And I was able to talk to her as a dad. And she said, let me share this, so... Two boys end up liking her, and she's like, I don't know what to do. And she says, now they're mad at each other and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and I was able to talk to her. I said, you know what, the long game, you know. The long game is someday, 10 to 15 years now, 
you're going to marry this wonderful guy. Let's be praying for that guy. There's a good chance neither of these guys are going to be that guy. And it's going to be a waste of energy in your time and your heart. And it's really, really hard when you're that age to hear those kinds of things because it seems so far away. But if you can be from my perspective or someone who just got married recently, you go, yes, it's worth the wait to find the right person, the right man or the right woman that you're going to marry. That's a long game of keeping your focus on God, living a godly lifestyle, saving yourself for that person, allowing God to make you that person that your spouse needs you to be and be praying for that person. I said, hey, Pray for that man. Pray for that boy who will eventually become a man. That's a long game right there, guys. So what is your long game? Has God called you to something? Is there a passion that God's put on your heart? What do you have to give back to God? Because we each have something to give. What is your life all about? Is it just basically living for yourself or being the typical American and where you just kind of live for the weekends and celebrate and then do it all over again? Or is your life worth something more? Is your life willing to give it up for something more? Your life is more fulfilling when you give it away. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says, whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Surprising, when you give up, you gain. So what does the long game look like? Well, let me tell you right now, the long game is definitely, it's definitely no microwave, no drive throughs though I like drive throughs No Uber Eats. And if I could be honest, does anybody ever do McDonald's every, uh, Uber Eats? No, the reason you did it, okay. Can I ask a question, why? McDonald's food is great. Trust me, I've gone there too much. Big Macs have a lifespan of about seven minutes, okay? Their fries, maybe three, maybe four tops. By the time you get the food, it's no longer good. It's just okay. See, right? See, now you see the light, right? <laughs> I have four kids, so of course we have a minivan. And usually by the time I'm cleaning up the car, I'm usually going to find at least one fry. And what is it with those fries? They, they look just like they did when they first came out. And they're months old. That's not right. Food is supposed to biodegrade. It's supposed to look bad. And you know what? And I know this is what the fries look like months later, and yet I still eat them. So what does it say about me? My wife lived in the same house we've, 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 uh, we bought it 15 years ago, and that... We bought it in the spring, and then in the, in the fall, our first, door, our first daughter was born, Liddy baby. And um, that year, I actually planted, that summer, I planted two pear trees. Because I thought, I like to have some trees in the backyard, and make a little, nice little natural shield. And if I'm going to make a natural shield, why not get some fruit out of the deal, right? I planted those trees, and it wasn't until years later that I started seeing fruit, like seven, eight years later. And I'm like, huh, there's fruit. Hey, there's a pear. These really are pear trees. You know, for a while it looked like a cactus. It just was weird. And now if you look at them, they're like 20 feet tall, and they're pears I can't reach. And uh, it's really strange. There's one tree that looks awful and gives wonderful fruit. There's one tree that looks beautiful and it looks ugly fruit. Um, but they do give off fruit, and they're definitely organic looking. But it's really, really cool to see that. Some things take a long time. 
usually most things that matter take a long time. So, having a long game means having a plan. David had plans for the temple. He said, he started gathering. He knew the shape, the size, materials, the artwork. There was artwork in the temple. He knew what information he gave, gave to Solomon so that he could complete that mission. Having a long game is having humility. Know that God's in control. David humbly prepared these things so that, that his son could build the temple. He invested so much into it though he didn't get to see the opening of the temple. He might have saw it maybe being built, maybe, who knows. But he never got to see the completion of it. Are you guys willing to invest in something that you don't get to see the fruit of? Being, being part of something much, much bigger than you. 1 Peter 5, 5-7, it says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility, there's the word, toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Three, sacrifice. The long game, you have to have sacrifice. This is where I sacrifice the animals to God. It was a financial burden for them to do that. Time. They say this, that uh, you can tell where your heart is, basically where you spend your time and where you spend your money. Analyze it. Where do you spend your time? I watch TV, maybe a little too much TV, but could I be spending it a different way? Could I be spending it a better way? When it comes to my money, where do I spend it? What do I invest in? Is it investing in people's lives? Sacrifice is my will. Because it's not about me, it's about God, right? It's about people around me that God wants to bless through me, through you. It's a long game, it takes people, and sometimes many people. You ever seen those paintings before, uh, where they've got these little dots? And if you get really close, all you see is little dots, and it doesn't look like much. And then you step way back, you see this really cool picture. I, I, and my wife are looking at one, and you, you look close, it's just these round dots, you know. And you look way far away, there's a guy with a nice, healthy mustache. Sometimes it's like that, where we don't get to see the big picture, but we get to play a part in it. It took many people to make that temple come to, uh, come to being. And when it came to the celebration, it wasn't just Solomon standing there. There was, there was priests, there was Levites, there was people playing instruments. There was the kingdom, and every representative from that area, every, every representative from Israel was there to be part of that celebration. Someone who spoke to Billy Graham, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, they said, wow, Billy Graham, it's amazing, you go and you preach, and people come and get saved. And he stopped them and said, but you don't know the people who have come before me, the people who planned this, the people who spent time praying for this night that people would be touched, they'd hear the message and respond. It's not about me. It was about, he was basically saying, it's all of us that made this work. Why the long game? Why do we do the long game? Because when we do the long game, people get blessed. What if Solomon had never been the temple? Well, he said, eh, that was David's thing. I got my own thing going on here. I'm going to start 
I'll work on my castle a little more, you know. He didn't. He invested in it. And it says the last, the last thing where it says, and I've just lost my spot there, guys. Second here. Basically, it says, uh, on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people to their homes, joyful and glad in heart, for the good things the Lord had done for David and Solomon and his people Israel. People around David would have known this guy's collecting the stuff. And they're like, what you, what's this gold for? What's this silver for? What's going on with this cedar? It's for the temple. It's for the temple. These instruments, they're going to be used for the temple. And people got to see God's faithfulness through all these things. People were blessed. People got to see the presence of God because of what they had done. I've been blessed having a Christian lineage. My grandma um, was a godly woman. She used to be part of the Reformed Church because she was a Dutch. And, uh, and she actually left the, the Dutch Reformed Church. It was, that was quite scandalous, you know, to, to leave the Dutch Reformed Church because she wanted to be a church that was closer to home and where she could have an impact. And what she, her passion was, was Sunday school teaching. She was a Sunday school teacher for about 20 years. And uh, even when her mom was old and uh, be, had issues with memory, she said, I'm not going to allow her to be in a home. She's going to stay with me. And so at times she would actually have to sleep in the same bed because if she got up, she needed to know where she was going. And her only time away from taking care of her mom was Sunday school. And, um, and I, I even got to be a student of hers, and so was my brothers. And uh, one thing I remember about her was uh, Sunday school, we'd sing different songs like Jesus Loves Me and um, Jesus Loves the Little Children. And she would do some things to, to the, like, they had this box of different instruments. And uh, remember, these are elementary, no talent. And you pick up there, be, some would have like a, like a little shaker kind of thing, like a maraca or tambourine or drums. And we would sing these songs to those instruments, and it was loud. <laughs> but and this is a woman in her 60s. She did that because she was passionate about Sunday school teaching. She was passionate because she wanted kids to know about Jesus. Well, one girl in there, um, kind, of a, kind of a cranky kid, kind of grumpy, maybe a little heavy set. When I look back, she kind of reminded me of Lucy from Peanuts. Remember Lucy? That was kind of her. Always had a better idea. Made things kind of hard, you know. As she got older, she went her own way. Did her own thing. Married a good man. But years and years later, something on her heart, she felt this desire to come back to God. She felt the desire to come back to church. What brought her back, in part, was the love and kindness that she felt from my grandma when she was little. She knew that she could come back. Later on, she comes back to Jesus. Her husband gets saved. They start serving youth. They've got a large family. And a whole generation is falling after Jesus because of what my grandma had done, of serving those children. Now, my grandma passed away years before this. She never got to see the fruit. But she gave her her time, and it was her passion, it was her joy. You know, some of you are serving in Sunday school. Some of you are seeing maybe kids on a, if you're coaching them. Maybe you look at your own children, you're worried about them. Just keep going at it. Keep loving them. 
you'll never know what the fruit is. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this girl who turned her life around. I completely forgot about myself because my brothers and I all are serving after Jesus. And I know she had an impact on that as well. As you guys look back, is there someone like that in your life? That was at Grandma Betty to you? You can be that to other people. doesn't matter your age. Somebody said, oh, she's too old. She was in her 60s. No, not too old. How many people are blessed because we're showing kindness, showing God's love in practical ways? You might be helping out in transferring Burien with troubled lives, and you wonder, are these lives ever going to change? Is this really making a difference? It is making a difference. Just sometimes we don't get to see it because it's the long game. And we're one part. Just like the part where there's a little red dot and a yellow dot and all these different dots. And when you step back, you see the picture. That's how we are. Many times we will know, but God knows. David didn't get to see the dedication of the temple. But because he served a whole nation, was blessed for it. Never underestimate your impact in other people's lives. I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. You don't know the things I'm struggling with. I don't know and I don't care. God can work those things through you, but if you wait your whole life to become good enough to serve and give your life to others, it'll never happen. Because let me tell you, you're never going to be perfect. God wants you to give your life. God wants you to use, other, use you to bless others. Look around. What are you passionate about? I'm not sure. There's got to be something there. Some people serve here because they're passionate about music. It's easy. But they, they serve, they give their time because they know that worship's important. I enjoy this. It's not easy, but I enjoy this. I hope, I know Pastor Jeff, and that's okay because God has called me to be me and Pastor Jeff to be Pastor Jeff. Use the gifts that God's given you. Years ago, you know, our church, some may not realize it, but we're the, we are the culmination of two different congregations, one that started in the 90s and one started in the 80s. A lot of those people are not here anymore. But through the years, families have come and families have gone. Pastors have come and pastors have gone to keep, keep this church family going. And about what, two, three years ago, we combined congregations, and here we are. I met people from the early church in the 80s and the 90s would be surprised where we've gone but how, how blessed they would be to know we're still going strong I was at a memorial service last summer and I got to see a family that we hadn't seen in years and they talked so highly about their experiences being part of our church they don't live in the area so they go to another church but their lives were, were greatly impacted for that this is something we're doing here guys is really good just keep going Keep giving your life. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. God has called us to a long game. 
God has called us to be faithful, to serve, to have humility, to give of our gifts, of our time, because there's something greater involved. Be figuring out what is your long game? What is it that you have to give? What is it that you have to offer? And know that when you do, others will be blessed for it. And sometimes you get to see it, and sometimes you don't. But in heaven, I just, I just got to believe there's going to be some awesome stories we hear about. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for today, Lord God. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that uh, no matter what we're going through, you are with us, Lord. You've called us to the long game, Lord God, because you are with us in the long game. And when we're obedient, we do what you've called us to do. People are blessed for it, Lord. Oh God, I know it's your desire that people get impacted by you, Lord, that they get to know you as your personal Lord and Savior. I know, Lord God, as a church, you've called us to be that light, Lord. You've called us as individuals to be that light. Show us, Lord God, what that is to look like. I thank you, Lord God, for our, our Sunday school teachers who even right now are serving and blessing the youngest, those who help in the nursery, those who help out with our youth, those who help with our college age. I thank you, Lord God, those who lead in home groups, using their gifts. Well, the word says we all have something to offer. None of us should come empty-handed, Lord. And though I, I may be different than somebody else, I have something to offer. And each buddy here has something to give you, Lord. Show them what that is. We thank you, Lord God, for the fruit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this season. We thank you for this week we get to celebrate Thanksgiving, Lord. Not just as Americans, Lord God, but followers of you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for the good things you've given us. We thank you, Lord God, not that things are going hard in life, but we thank you, Lord, that you will walk us through it. Because with us, you're, we're your long game. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your awesome and glorious name, the church says, Amen. Amen. Well, guys, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. See you next Sunday.